Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed. I'm uh, in the studio this morning, uh, and I'm joined remotely uh, by my uh, co-host, uh, Mr. Mike McNamara. How you doing, Mike, today? Just ducky. How about you? I'm doing okay. We're uh, we're trying to get to uh, some nicer weather here. How's it going down there? Uh, it's in Fort Myers. It's been in the 90s every day for the last two and a half weeks. Pretty uh, pretty consistent, huh? Yeah, warmer than usual. But hey, the environment's messed up and the weather's screwy, right? So what the <laughs> heck? It's uh, yeah. It feels like it feels like we're struggling to break through here to uh, into a, a warmer uh, spring. But I guess it's still well. It's almost May, so uh, when, when we hit May, that should be things should be get looking pretty good, right? Yep, we're we're in a summer mode here, and I'm I'm leaving tomorrow for the cold northeast. That's we'll right. I forgot. I forgot. I knew it was. I knew it was soon. But yeah, that's uh, that's really soon. Uh, All right. Well, so so. Um, our topic today uh, is uh, investment returns, and in, in specifically, what do you need? Mm, I like that. I uh, understand. Yeah. I, uh, I actually I had a, the, the initial title. Oh, was, do you have a different title? Well, no, the initial title. Okay, I mean, this is radio. Yeah. Was investment returns? What do you need? Is that reasonable? What's Plan B if that doesn't work? That is a, that is a that is a little wordy. I understand why why you shortened it. I think we're going to get to all of those hopefully in the next couple hours, Kirk. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, investment. So investment returns. What what do you need? That's our that's the the pithy way of saying it. All right, folks. So we're gonna uh, well uh, we're gonna kind of hop around to some important places the next couple of hours. So just uh, bear with us. This will all make sense hopefully as we go along and also at the end here. Uh, so uh, before we get, you know, oh, oh, good. Let's let's talk about the investment returns. Well, we're going to talk about some very specifics about investments and their returns historically and their volatility historically and, and what kinds of investments may or may not make sense uh, for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, but it, it, as certified financial planners, uh, we know and, and we hope that you know, uh, listening to the show, that uh, your financial circumstances uh, do a lot more for helping you accomplish your financial goals and what return uh, you make on your money. And that that may sound a little weird until we start filling that in over the next couple of hours. But uh, that, that's kind of the way it is. Uh, you, you can't talk about investment returns for you until like you know your financial situation uh, you know how much money you can maybe save you know how long you have to do that uh, and, and kind of put those things together so so we're, we're gonna spend some time talking about what people should be thinking about so that they can actually determine what investment returns they really need. Because the short answer is the returns that they need depend on a bunch of things, many of them related to their circumstances and nobody else sort of a thing. So if that, that sounds kind of funny, that's just how it is. And we can get into that in, in a while here. Um, so people generally save their money and generally think about investment returns for uh, mainly two main uh, goals. One is to retire and one is to pay for college. So I, I want to spend some time uh, talking about, you know, folks in their retirement. And the short story is that, that you should have a plan for retirement 
environment. You should know what your financial circumstances are. Uh, you should monitor that plan, and that'll give you a really good idea about how much you have to need and how much you can save and how much you have to earn. And uh, it's a work in progress that goes throughout your life. Um, but that not everybody listening to this show uh, has a plan for retirement and some are better than others. So uh, if you're on the younger side, and I hesitate to use ages these days, Kirk, but I would say that folks in their 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s aren't thinking too much about retirement. I hope they are, but but percentage-wise, it's the older folks in their 50s and 60s and 70s that as they get near or in retirement, they start thinking about it. So it's it's just a natural kind of a thing that a, you know, a 22-year-old fresh out of college starting a job probably wouldn't have a retirement plan in place sort of a thing. So, you know, we tell everybody you should have one of those as early as you possibly can, but if you were when you were 22, you probably weren't thinking about one of those either, right, Kirk? I'm going to guess. You know, no, it certainly wasn't, you know, a high priority. I mean, I think it's, yeah. you know, you, you probably only know about it because maybe the HR person talks to you about it or, yeah. or, or mentions it to you. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't think yeah. you spend a whole lot of time talking about it or thinking about it. Um, yep. And hopefully, you know, hopefully somebody gives you some good advice and um, and puts you on the right track. But, you know, that's, that's not always, you know... Uh, I guess I, I don't know what you know what their responsibility is, right? As far as yeah. ma- you know, making you commit to something like that, or yeah, all they can do is bring it up and say, "Hey, you're dumb if you don't do it." Uh, <laughs> and what hap- and what happens after that is uh, you know, however. So so you can't you know when folks are ready to think about that. That's when they'll get together and maybe hopefully start a plan and maybe pay attention to some of the things we're going to talk about. But that comes at different ages and circumstances. And that's just kind of how it is. Uh, you know, we, we live in this. Uh, we want it all. We want it now. Society, uh, instant gratification. And, uh, you know, uh, retirement's just not high on the radar. So for folks who do not have any kind of a plan for retirement, OK, um, you know, pick your age, but probably up in some folks up into their early 40s, uh, you know, they should be saving as much money as they can. Well, if they had a plan, they'd know how much they could do. OK, but in in absence of a plan, OK, uh, you should probably try to save 10 at least 10 and up to 15% of your gross income in your retirement plan. And in absence of a plan, you should put it in a well-diversified all-stock portfolio and cross your fingers for the next 35 years. That's, that's basically, that. that's a plan if you don't have one sort of a thing. You have a reaction to that, Kirk? Or, or well, what? no, I mean, I think that, that I think that, that is a good uh, general plan. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we, we normally tell younger folks, um, you know, 10 to 15% is a good target. Um, but I mean... You know, I'm just thinking, you know, when we started talking about this, I'm thinking about, you know, with real estate prices and things like that. And, you know, young folks trying to buy a home and, you know, how hard is it to do that? And, you know, you really have to make this uh, a priority um, in order to, you know, to squeeze it into your budget. Um, And and so the so the earlier that you you make it part of your budget, uh, I think the easier it becomes. Yeah, you know, and it probably is harder for younger folks today because uh, college debts are bigger than they've ever been and kind of getting started with things like that. So, so I mean, ju- just because it's hard and just because it doesn't seem fair, uh, well, so, so so what? Right. I mean, uh, who, who in the world is going to take care of you besides yourself? And the answer is, well, don't count on too many folks if you're smart sort of a thing and you get going with that. So, so if, you, if it, retirement's just not in your life right now. Uh, I hope it gets into your life at some point and hopefully age 55 or 60 is not your starting point for mm-hmm. that because I, I think that's a, a an unwise thing to do. So without that, uh, save at least 10, up to 15%, both spouses, by the way, if married, gross in your 401k. And if you don't have a financial advisor, see if you can snag one through the, the 401k plan. But if you're in your 20s and 30s and even early 40s, I would say it's appropriate to own a bunch of stocks and cross your fingers. Uh, we'll get into why why we think you should do that uh, in, a, in a bit here. But that that's a plan in lieu of a plan. And anything else? on that, Kirk, if we move along to a real plan. Well, I, I don't know if you're going to talk about like compounding at some point. 
Yeah, sure. I, I, well, I, didn't, I didn't know if you had like a segment for nope. that or not, but I, you know, just that's just you know, as far as you know, saving earlier, early and often, right? Because the power of compounding interest is what really you know really helps people out and. You know, you mentioned about you know people not maybe focusing on their retirement until they're in their fifties, and if they haven't saved enough, you know, even if you can throw a bunch of money in in your fifties and, and even sixties, it just doesn't have the same impact as doing it in your twenties and thirties and forties because of all that all that time that it has to to grow and you know compound upon itself. Uh, we've done I think we've done whole shows uh, on yeah. that on that concept because it is such such an important thing um, to really get that ball rolling. Um, you know, the sooner the better. Yeah, I, I've often said uh, it's easier to get rich if you're young and poor and somewhat motivated than if you're older and have money because of the catch up uh, in terms of that compounding. So thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't think to toss that in there. So thank you. All right. So uh, so if you are a person listening to this show excuse me, that that has hopefully some kind of a plan for retirement. That's a good thing. Um, our, you know, as certified financial planners, we have a, a little experience in that whole world. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not sure what percentage of folks listening to us have a good plan, are monitoring it, executing it, and have realistic expectations of their return and their financial circumstances and their goals. Okay, but we're talking to everybody out there. So if you do do it yourself, or hopefully we can help you with with some hints about some things that maybe you didn't think about. Uh, if you don't have a plan or a clue, uh, that's why there are professionals out there in the world to help you do things like that because it's pretty complicated. But anyway, uh, if you're older, okay, uh, you should have a plan. Whenever you have your plan that's good uh, but as Kirk pointed out it, you missed some good savings years when you were younger if you didn't get motivated uh, and, and I think I think motivation is uh, is probably the biggest issue here. Um, I, I like to say you can't teach motivation, so either you have it or you don't with regard to how that all works. Yeah, and, um, and just you know, one other point I was going to make is, you know, we talked about you know the percentage, right? You know, putting in ten percent or fifteen percent, some somewhere in that neighborhood. And you know, if you're young and you know, m you know, perhaps you're not making a lot of money. But but any of those dollars, even you know, even if ten percent of a smaller number is not a lot, of, you know, a small number, but because of that compounding, it you you will definitely thank yourself later. So, you know, sometimes people say, well, is it is it worth it, right? Just putting in you know X number of dollars, and it and it absolutely is. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, and folks, if you uh, have a plan or don't have a plan. Uh, you know, by the way, I hope everybody takes a peek at their social security statement once in a while, because I think that's a really great motivation for either getting more in gear about the plan that you have or maybe getting one together. I, you know, I, I haven't checked in the last year or so, and maybe you can Google it while I'm yapping here, but I think the average social security check in America is somewhere around 13, 14, $15,000. You know, oh, for the uh, year? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, but I'm pretty comfortable with that guess. 15 is probably on the high side, I guess, maybe. But anyway, but if the average social security check is $15,000 and and both spouses work and and qualify for that, well, so, you know, can you live your life on $30,000 in retirement without any other money? And most people would say not even close, you know, kind of given the circumstances. So, so uh, if you need some motivation about thinking about uh, retirement, uh, taking a check at your, uh, at your social security benefits uh, would absolutely positively uh, g give you uh, that motivation. Um, it was never intended to bail out everybody in the world. And uh, I, I forget what the statistics are, but there's a, a very large percentage of folks who only have social security for income in this country. And that's that's pretty scary uh, for, to me and probably to them as well in terms of a, a support thing. So no, the government's not gonna take care of you folks uh, to any extent. Uh, and you know that's on your shoulders as far as I'm concerned. Um, by the way, there are uh, some uh, so social security. You should know about it. Good motivation. Now, uh, there are some uh, folks out there listening to us, and they're probably these days public sector employees like teachers or firefighters or policemen or town employees. Um, folks, uh, th there are a number of folks who have what's called a defined benefit 
pension available to them where you go to work, you stick around for 25 or 30 years, you put money into this pension that they basically take out of your check because you don't have any choice uh, and they'll send you a real live check, you know, guaranteed in retirement, okay, every month forever. Um, th those uh, are wonderful things that have basically gone away uh, in the private sector, uh, almost non-existent for people who have jobs not in the public realm. Uh, and by the way, Kirk, those pensions are starting to fade for new participants as in teachers or firefighters. Sometimes they're forced to go on social security because towns and cities and states have figured out that the, the obligations for funding those pensions are mighty scary mm. uh, given the circumstances. So, so if you do have in your future a pension plan, congratulations, you're probably in the minority here. Um, and it's been our, and Kirk, you can chime in with your experience, but, but it's been my experience, uh, and I'll use a, a, a double income couple, both of them on pensions, okay? And there are a number of folks listening to us who are probably in that circumstance, uh, that, 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 that they're very comfortable about those pensions and the income, but it provides the basics for their life. And for the folks we know about, again, we have probably some a selected audience of folks who come to visit us, but for the folks we know, the money in their retirement plan provides the fun in their life. The pensions just cover the basics sort of a thing. So so if you have a pension, don't get too smug about it, I guess would, would be my advice, okay? Uh, that doesn't mean you should not contribute, okay, to the either a 401k or a 457 or any or a 403b or any of those funds sounding uh, retirement plans for government or public sector employees. So if you have a pension, great. Don't depend on it. If you have a couple of pensions, uh, it'll probably take care of the basics in your retirement if you lead a good life, but there might not be a lot of fun. So it, it's okay to save some money in addition to that. How about your experience, Kirk? What's your comment on that? Yeah, I guess what I was going to say is that um, it seems like maybe, maybe early on in retirement, the pension does cover pretty much everything, yep. Um, yep. You know, maybe even including some fun stuff. Um, yep. But I think after a few years, as as life gets more expensive, expensive because of inflation, then they start to feel it. And yeah. and because pensions typically, you know, typically don't go up um, or keep pace with inflation. Some some are completely flat, right? And they have yeah. you know, basically zero adjustments. Uh, yeah. Some have a very small, you know, upward adjustment. Um, but typically, they do not keep pace with inflation. Particularly when we've, you know, with the high inflation we've been experiencing the last uh, year or year and a half. Um, and so that you know that's a consideration where it does make sense to to try to save some additional funds, uh, as you mentioned in a you know a four hundred three b four fifty seven whatever it may be, um, you know, and I, I, I you know I've given sort of the guidance that I think you know as a rough target for somebody like that you know maybe like five percent. Uh, they could try to save in a 403b, um, yeah. you know, because you know it doesn't have to be as much as as somebody without a pension, um, but just to kind of give a rough a target. I think that that's kind of a good a good guideline. Yeah, and uh, a couple other things about pensions. Um, so first of all, uh, the, a little history. Um, a long time ago, okay, uh, many large companies, corporations had defined pension plans. Uh, the, the Standard & Poor's 500 is a collection of the 500 biggest companies in America. And it used to be that a whole lot, some big percentage of those companies had pensions. Kirk, I, the last number I saw about a year ago is that there are only 15 companies in out, the S&P 500. Out of, out of 15 out of 500. Out of 500. Okay, so so the corporate sector a long time ago said, holy moly, I don't think we can pay for this stuff mm -hmm. going down the line looking out the future. We're going to you know, flip over, okay, to for, we'll give them some money, but we're not going to obligate ourselves to pay them X for the rest of their lives after they leave here sort of a thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, and, and so that, that I, I'm fairly comfortable that that's partially underway in the public sector. Uh, you know, I know some instances of newer teachers going to work and they don't get a chance 
to participate in that pension plan. So in, in a case like that, that pension plan will die when the last person that's on it does and the new people are on Social Security. Uh, so I, I think even if you're in the public sector, be thankful about that. And, 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 and by the way, a second thing is uh, there's a, a good chunk of these pensions out there in the world that are what they call underfunded. Okay. And that means that a city or a state or a town, if it has an underfunded pension plan, th that means some reasonably smart accountants and actuaries said, hey, we did some math here based on life expectancy and how many people you have and how much money you promised to give them. Okay. And you ain't got enough money in this pot right now to make it okay. Okay. Uh, and, and so, you know, th there are times, th there are committees that do this and they might say to the town you need to put another million dollars or the city or the county or whoever is sponsoring the pension plan you need to put another million dollars in there next month uh, to make it work which by the way may or may not happen and because we have a lot of underfunded ones you know how much money they can actually pay you in their financial viability well I, i'm not trying to scare the heck out of people but it's in question given the circumstances okay so so please don't you know be be comforted that you have one and be be happy for sure okay but don't, don't get too smug about it because you know bad things could happen to you about that and or it might not be as uh, as rosy as you think it was okay do you do you know so, do you know mike like uh, so like if if they get that message you know that it's underfunded and they have to put yeah. money like are they do they have an obligation to fulfill that or do they have some kind of a time frame to make that happen or that's a really good question. I assume that answer varies all over the world. Okay. But the, fa the fact that we have a whole bunch of underfunded ones, even after a bunch of years of good investment returns, uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of good answers to that in many cases. Mm. Okay. Uh, you know, cities and towns and, and states are scrambling for money. They're always scrambling for money and, and to, to come up and maybe they have to vote. I, I, I have no idea. Okay. But all I know is that there's a whole lot of cities, states, and towns and counties that have uses for money probably on a higher priority than pensions in many people's minds, sort of a thing. So no, so it's, I think it's a cause to be concerned. Uh, very quickly to finish up, because I know we're almost out of time. You know, I, I always say, if you think that anybody else in the world but yourself is gonna take care of yourself in this world, Okay, I, I think you have a problem. Okay, I wouldn't count on anybody to support you. We're meeting more and more people are saying we don't want to even factor Social Security into our retirement. We want to take care of it. I think that's the right way to do it. Uh, and if, if you think it's difficult to save money and make your life work now, it's a lot harder in retirement when you're not working. So so it doesn't get, if you can't save money and if you can't get squared away now, it doesn't get easier when you stop working. So so hopefully that's just provided a whole bunch of motivation for people to get on with it and come up with a plan and stick with it. Okay? All right. So you're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed, uh, joined today by Mike McNamara. Uh, we'll be back in just after this short break. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed. I'm one of the uh, certified financial planners at McNamara Financial, uh, joined today by Mike McNamara, also a certified financial planner from beautiful Florida. Uh, good morning again, Mike. Good morning again. So the, the topic for today is, well, the abbreviated topic is investment returns. <laughs> What do you need? Uh, and then maybe you, I forget. I forget the rest of that, Mike. Maybe you could say what the rest of it was. Uh, what do you need? Is it is that reasonable? And what's Plan B if it doesn't work? All right. So we we spent the first segment kind of <laughs> starting to set the stage, talking about yeah. you know, do you have a plan for retirement? Um, and I think so. Now, do you want to talk about having a plan for college? I do. Okay. And um, and for folks who are 
retiring and thought that the first half an hour was, was a little fuzzy and a little generic. Well, that's because it needed to be, and we'll get into some fun stuff in a little while. But I, it's easier to explain why you need a plan talking about college, I think, than it is retirement. So I'll, I'll, I'll be a little facetious here and start off. So, so uh, Kirk, if somebody walked in the door uh, and, and said, I, I need to uh, save for college, okay, uh, and you ask them, well, how much do you think you have to earn? What would they say? Pick a number. Or you can pick your own number. Well, you know, so forget that. Okay, so what would you think an average person would be happy earning on their college money? Mm, they'd probably say 10%. Okay. Phew. All right. <laughs> they'd probably be wrong. But anyway, if they, okay, if that, that 10%, uh, well, take a guess, Kirk, uh, 1977 to 2022 average Bureau of Labor Statistics inflation rate for cost of college. Uh I'm going to guess it's somewhere in like public, the fi- public and private, by the way. Okay. Like five in the 5% range, 6.37%. Okay. So folks, if you just want to talk about returns, well, for starters, you got to earn at least 6% on your money to be even. Right. That's just, yeah, that's just to keep yeah. pace. Yeah. I guess, I guess, so, I guess so, my, yeah, my number was like, yeah, trying to, to do that plus some. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, so folks, if you already have all the money that you need for college right now, right? We, we, we didn't get to how much they're going to pay for college, right? Okay. But, but okay. Okay. So, maybe, maybe, maybe I misunderstood your question. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 you didn't at all. My, okay. my point is, okay, well, if I can earn 10% of my money, I'll be great. Well, for, first of all, earning 10% minus six is only earning four and by the way that 10 percent are they saving enough to go to a seventy thousand dollar a year private school are they saving enough to to go to a twenty five thousand dollar i i don't know the math on that but but the bottom line is it's a little little easier to talk about that because college numbers are firm you you know you can you can get to pick your cost cost so so bottom line is that that uh when it comes to college it's like oh it's like equivalent to being uh, retired in 18 years. Presto, you're born. 18 years from now, you're retired and go to college. I mean, sort of, sort of a thing. So, so it, because it's quicker and because our kids graduate from college before we retire and because you can pick your prices, it's a little easier to have a conversation about what you might earn. But the, but the bottom line here uh, is that uh, you know, we'll talk about inflation and the effects of it. But that's just really scary. If, if you already let's let's assume that this person who picked 10 percent knew that there was six percent inflation, and they were going to really only earn four. Let's assume that they knew that they had enough money that would only earn four compounded for the time that they would save it to purchase a twenty five thousand dollar UMass education in today's dollars. If they knew that, that's great. Okay, uh, I, I don't know how many people fit into that discussion. I, mean, I, I don't. People, yeah, I don't think how, so. How do you, who, who, who you know, who, who gets to pick a college and win, and how do you know about that when the kid's zero, or the kid's one, or two, or three? Right? This, Most, it's it's all fuzz. Right? Yeah. Nope. Nobody knows. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, nobody knows, and and that's you know, and, and the whole thing about the cost thing is, yeah. There's two parts to that calculation, right? Um, First, you know, first there's, you know, what's the price today? And then you got to figure out what that is 18 years from now, uh, index for inflation. Then once you do that math, then you can figure out what do you have to save along the way with, you know, with a certain expectation for earnings. So that's, you know, it gets a little complicated. Uh, hey, and that's assuming you want to pay the 100 percent and be nice to your kids versus them having some skin in the game sort of a thing. Right. And that's a there, there's a whole but a bunch of what ifs that you have to factor into the equation, folks, uh, given the circumstances. So so uh, fr- from a, a college point of view, here's some general thoughts that that may be a bit scary from my point of view. Uh, but um, here's the first question for and by the way, let's just talk about one kid. Remember, people have multiple kids going off to college. But I guess my first question is, uh, is it more important uh, taking care of college than your retirement? I I think that, you know, you you have to weigh your college goals against your retirement goals because they may take away from it. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how many people think about that, that that's a financial situation question 
folks that could have a pretty significant impact on the rest of your life. So, so it, it, it is saving for college and doing what you can do. Okay, uh, is it more important than retirement? Okay, uh, if people say yes, I hope they've done a comprehensive retirement plan and know what that looks like. If they've you know, going to have a college education cost built in for one or two or three kids. F folks, you, you can't make some decisions about college, what you can save and what you can earn until you decide how much of a priority or what percentage of your life and savings is going to go into that versus your retirement plan. Th this is why we're talking about planning and thinking about things before we get to the returns because the plan's more important than the returns. So, so uh, you know, be, uh, I don't know what people would answer. If folks have a comprehensive retirement plan, know that they can't, they have to work till they're 75 and, and give up some lifestyle uh, choices for fun in retirement to pay for college and they know that or they have a plan that suggests how it's going to be then god bless them they had enough information to make a choice about doing what they're going to do and they're going to live with it okay folks who decide to save for college first and worry about retirement later could have a fairly scary retirement if they don't connect those two dots and move on from there sort of a thing so um, you know, is it more important than your retirement? And if not, okay, boy, you sure need a plan to balance the two to whatever you can do. Okay, that's a personal choice. It's not for us to say it's more or less important than your retirement. Uh, it's for us to say you need to know what retirement looks like if you do this for college, and you need to know what college looks like if you do this for retirement. <laughs> You've got to start someplace. And those decisions are scary, and those those discussions are pretty scary too, right? When you start talking to parents about how much they can actually afford for college and stuff. And uh, I, any, well, yeah, ahead. I think, you know, I yeah. think college is, um, I think that that can be kind of an emotional thing, right? And it's, and it's, it's emotional and it's a little more pressing than yeah, retirement. By the way, no, no kind of about it. It's, it's a very emotional topic for many, many parents. Absolutely. So yep, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think know. it can it can easily kind of get, um, you know, kind of sidetrack retirement, right? Because you want to you know yep. you want to do everything for your child, and we certainly get that. Um, and you know, and yeah, and that and sometimes if you kind of forget about retirement, you know, temporarily, that, yeah, that can you know it can have a detrimental effect and. You know, our job is just kind of show you what it what it can do, um, to, you know, to the long term effects, and then you know you make the decision how you want to handle it. Um, you know, so here are some of the questions: if if folks actually have a comprehensive retirement plan in place, they know how much they can afford to pay for college. Right. Okay. They they know how much they have to save. Okay. Uh, and. That, that's a good thing. If you don't have that comprehensive retirement plan with the costs of college baked in, um, that's just a scary place to be from my point of view. So, you know, if that's the case, you know, will you cap your costs per child? How many folks are going to sit down and say, we've looked at things and we can afford to give you X amount of dollars okay, per year for your four years of college. And if you're going to go to a college more expensive than that, you're going to have to pay for it. And by the way, how many kids know the financial consequences? Uh, we're reading about that in the newspaper every day about kids who are kicking themselves for taking all, all kinds of college debt given the circumstances. So, you know, when it comes to the college, before you figure out how much you can earn, you need to know how much you can save. And before that, you need to figure out, well, how much you're going to pay? What, what's the cost per kid? You know, how's that going to work? Okay. Uh, you also, uh, another piece in that equation uh, is, are you going to have your kids have any skin in the game? Are they going to be responsible for some loans or, or working or whatever? How, how's that all going to work? And, you know, Kirk, uh, the, the, the emotions uh, that are involved in this, um, I, I would say that more often than not, in my experience, spouses disagree on how they should go about paying for college, for kids in college. I, uh, I see that. I see that quite a bit. Um, yeah. and I think, I think that probably comes from, you know, perhaps they came from different backgrounds, right? You know, maybe, yep. you know, maybe one spouse, 
uh, was responsible to pay for their own way and, and maybe the other one wasn't um, or, or something like that. And I think a lot of times, you know, people either people want to kind of do the same thing for their kids or or, or perhaps do more than, um, you know, for their kids, yep. than what, what they were given. And um, and again, that's where sometimes that those emotions can come into it. Uh, and that can sometimes overshadow uh, what's actually, you know, financially feasible. Yeah, and folks, we, we want to be crystal clear as certified financial planners who crunch numbers. We don't make any value judgments about what folks do with their money or how much they love their kids or do or versus their retirement. We, we just do the math and give people enough information to make some choices about their courses of action in both of those areas. That's that's what we do, sort of a thing. So it, it's it when it boils down to it, it sounds kind of crass, but it's just math, okay? And you need to you need to be very clear about that. So by the way, another thing that's um, confusing about well, how much do I really need to earn? On, on my college money. Folks, I promise in the second hour of the show, we'll get to the, oh, the fun stuff, but we got to set up the, the background here. Okay, you know, the, the you know, the, the whole thing about college, there's three ways that parents can pay for their share of college educations. Okay, one way is to save money. Uh, I don't know what the percentages are, but there's pretty a pretty small percentage of parents in this country who can save all the money that they need for all of their kids' college educations. But by the way, saving it in advance, if you can do it, is the best way to do it. But that's probably not a high percentage shot for most folks. Okay, the the second way that you could pay for college is that what you when your kids get into college, hopefully you have enough earning capacity between two spouses that there's some extra money or money that you can take out of your cash flow to pay for college. Well, that affects your choice about how much you have to, you know, earn on your returns sort of a thing and vice versa. But anyway, so paying it out of cash flow. Well, so if money's tight now, okay, how is it going to be looser when your kids come to college unless one or two spouses have a big bump in pay and or the mortgage? is paid off. How, how is it going to be less costly? By the way, if you've got two kids in college, that question gets even more interesting. So, so it, you know, if, if you can't save at all, I guess the next place to look is, can you take it out of your cash flow when the time comes? Okay. I don't know the answer to that, but that's the question. And by the way, I don't know what percentage of people can save enough and then just do it out of cash flow because the third one, I presume, is the most popular one. Okay, let's see. Save it, take it out of cash flow, or borrow it. Okay, and that's from my point of view the scary option about college: bar borrowing money uh, to to go there. Uh, well, how many people think about how much money they're going to borrow for college when the time comes, and how many people think about the consequences of that? So, you know, how much to save and earn, and what's your return? I guess that sort of depends. On if you can take some out of cash flow because your mortgage is paid off or not, and or you, you need to borrow X amount of dollars, uh, and borrowing will, will lessen your ability to save, but it also saddles you with a debt to pay when when your kids get out of college. And can you pay that? Did you factor that into your retirement plan, sort of a thing? So so there are n numerous variables. Never mind the unbelievable cost of college. Here's some uh, 2021 numbers, Kirk. Um, U.S. News, average cost of a public school room board and tuition across the country, 22698 okay? Uh, and average cost of a private school uh, across the country, 38185 I can tell you that ain't in the Northeast, Kirk. Yeah, uh, I was going to say those, but, sound, <laughs> those sound a little low, yeah. But, but uh, Or probably the West Coast either, to be honest with you. But, okay, so, oh, let's see. Uh, public schools are around, I think UMass is dollars $27,000. I, oh, I, right? I think it's around thirty it's these mo days. But no kidding, wow. Uh, you know, all, right, all, so, all, that's all in, you know, room and board, yeah, tuition and, yeah, and everything. Yeah. It's, it's, well, those, it's pretty close to 30. You gotta pay that money, right? Wow, yeah. okay, so, so if a base public school education in Massachusetts is 30 times four, mm -hmm. okay, that, that's $120,000, you know, per kid, 
okay, folks, uh, if, if you're planning on covering the equivalent of that, and that's the deal with your kids, well, I, I guess you got sort of a plan to get going with that. You, you ought to have a more detailed one than that, but but that's okay, given the circumstances, okay? Um, you know, the, the other thing is, um, and it's so hard being a parent because you want the best for your kids, but if you don't know the implications uh, or the unintended consequences of how you finance it, uh, that's a pretty scary place to be. Well, I'm going to have my kids borrow X amount of money. Well, the kids get out of school. Uh, they're not employed enough to make any money. Who's going to pay those loans for them? Who's gonna, you know, it, it's not like we haven't seen that story before about parents being surprisingly uh, saddled with some debts because their kids couldn't uh, f fulfill the, the part of that obligation for a while, given the circumstances. So uh, it, it's it's a very complicated and very emotional kind of a discussion. And I'm sorry, but you can't do college planning without having a detailed retirement plan in folks place. I, I, I'm sorry, you just can't do that. Well, let's put it this way. It would be very unwise if you did that, given the circumstances. Uh, so I just I, I just did the uh, I did the inflation calculation on on the hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So so we just said you know thirty thousand a year for UMass uh, Amherst today. Uh, so one hundred and twenty thousand total for four years. Yeah. Uh, so if we do you know today's dollars out you know eighteen years from now, and I use the flat six percent per year uh, inflation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, versus that 6.37 that you referenced yeah. earlier. Sure. Uh, so in 18 years, that becomes $342,000. Yeah, yeah. So how, so so by the way, we'll get to the point about, well, whatever you're going to earn, you have to factor in what inflation is going to take away from it so you can actually pay those dollars when the time comes. But yeah, it, it's pr pretty scary. So mm -hmm. so basically, uh, how much time do you have left, Kirk? Here? Do you have a sense of that? Uh, uh, about 10 minutes. Uh, Oh, good. Okay, cool. Okay. So, so fr from a college point of view, okay, um, I, I, I absolutely state very firmly that I don't think you can have any college discussions, okay, or make some plans without factoring in your own retirement plans, folks, or I think it's unwise. Uh, another part of that is, and I, 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 there probably aren't too many 17-year-olds listening to this show right now, but, you know, kids themselves are pretty financially unaware. That's just the way it is in this world, in mean, the circumstances. And, you know, what parent wants to deny a kid their dream college, uh, even though they may change their major four different times and, and uh, be a completely in a completely different job uh, than they planned on? Spe as a PhD in education, I can speak clearly on, on that subject with, mm. a biolo with a biology major from Tufts uh, sort of a thing. So, so you know, the, the ability of a, an 18-year-old to choose wisely for their future and, and and get into a profession or a job that can actually where they could live their life and get married and have a family well that's somewhat in question as well given the circumstances and so that's yet yet another fairly scarily scary uh, variable in that equation so just a it just takes a lot of time a lot of discussion a lot of emotion and uh, and maybe some pretty depressing news about what things can actually happen but I, I don't know. I I I, the, the, I get sick and tired of listening to the student debt issue across the, the nation. I'm sure there are some folks who have been screwed by private colleges that did this, that, the other thing. But you know, if you take out loans, it's assuming that you did your homework and you thought you were going to do it. People have to take some responsibility for their loans. Well, is a 17 or an 18 year old going to have enough presence of mind and intellect to, to be able to do that? No, that's where parents have to step in and say, look, if you're going to go over here and if you're going to decide to try to borrow this much money, do you know what this looks like? You know, when you're out of college, you have, you have a mortgage, okay, but it's not for a house the day you get out of college for $80,000. You know, how much money is that going to take to pay back? And you're going to be able to do that. And so so the, the lack of financial education for 18-year-old is, is even uh, more sparse uh, than, than that for parents sort of a thing. So it's just a, I don't want to use the word powder keg. That would be, it's a, a financial thing that could end up hurting a bunch of people uh, if, you, if you're not careful about it 
from the beginning in terms of setting uh, realistic goals. Okay, um, I think maybe I'm done on that, Kirk. You got any, you got any additions to that before we move on? Uh, well, I think no, no, I don't think so. But I think um, did you want to talk about investment strategy? Uh, I wanted to talk. Or do you want to push that uh, off? No, no, no. Well, I, I wanted to talk about one more thing. Uh, okay, but before we do that, uh, and and it's got to do with uh, I I think the vehicles for okay. um, retirement and the vehicles, okay, uh, for college before we get to the investments. I like to say that the investments are, are, are in a box and that box is either a, a retirement plan or a 529 plan or whatever. So, so I, if we have what, five or six or eight minutes now, given yeah. the circumstances? Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I think we might want to have some discussions about what's an approach. Okay, I, I want to invest some money do I put it in a joint account with my wife? Mm. Do I put it in a, a uniform transfers to miners account? Whatever. So I think we should take a moment or two to discuss the ways to do that. Okay. okay? All right. Uh, how about you kick off retirement? What are the choices people have for a retirement account? Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, you know, if you're if you're employed, uh, you might have access, you know, to a four hundred one k or a four hundred three b or four fifty seven. Um, you know, if you're even if you're employed, you might not have access to those things. Um, you know, everybody has access to uh, a traditional IRA uh, or a Roth IRA. Or all, although there are some, you know, income limitations um, with with the Roth. Um, and if you're married, it gets even a little more complicated as far as what's you know deductible and what's not deductible in a traditional IRA. Um, but those are you know the, well. And then if you're self-employed. Uh, you have some additional options, right? Um, like a SEP IRA, um, or if you're a small company, you could do a, what's called a simple IRA. Um, so there, maybe we could even do a solo 401k if you're a you know a single person. Uh, so there are a plethora of options uh, for yep. retirement. And all of those things that you mentioned are uh, tax deferred. And tax deductible, or many of those things, with the exception of the Roth IRAs. Right. Okay. The, the advantage is that the money that you put in there are pre-tax dollars. You're investing with hundred cent dollars, uh, and uh, the money that you earn is deferred and 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 grows tax deferred while you're in there. So, you know, a retirement plan of choice is a deductible kind of a plan where money grows tax deferred and you pay taxes on it later. There are some specialty uses for Roth IRAs, but that's a whole other discussion. And I, I wouldn't count them as my main retirement plan for a number of reasons, but that's not for here. Um, and, and any plan that has a match, okay, with matching dollars would be better than, <laughs> than any plan that doesn't. Absolutely. So, so yeah, yeah. And, and if you're retired, a retiring, and you filled up your retirement plan, and, and this, I, I am amazed at some of the folks I've had this mentioned to clients I've known for years. You know, it, it's okay to open up an investment account, you know, with your husband in a joint account, and kind of do the same thing you're doing for college, just not in a, you know, a 529 plan or, or the same thing you're doing for retirement. In a, in a, yeah, you mean I can invest money on my own, not inside of an official plan? The answer is, yeah, thank goodness it's still a free country sort of a thing. So, so you sure. start off with some sort of retirement plan. And if you still have money, it's okay to invest it in a, what we call a taxable account. Uh, that could be an individual account or a joint account, depending on your circumstances. Okay. The, the college uh, land landscape is a little different. Okay. Uh, folks, uh, Kirk, do you have folks that are feeding the uniform uh, transfers accounts or is it all 529s? Or um, what's, what's your experience? We, we have some, we have some that, that are, that are employing, you know, UTMAs, um, yeah. but it is less common uh, than, than the 529s. So why don't you take a moment and explain both of those, okay? All right. So the UTMA um, basically allows you to, you know. By the way, explain the initials. We don't want to get confused. Here. Okay, UTMA. It stands for uh, Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, and it basically it's it's an account uh, for you know for for a minor, you know, somebody that's under the age of eighteen or twenty one, depending on uh, the state of residence. Um, and you basically any money that goes into it is an you know irrevocable gift uh, to the minor, uh, meaning that it 
you know, has to be used for their benefit um, at some point in time. Um, and upon their reaching the age of majority, which in Massachusetts is 21, uh, then that you know those funds have to be handed over. Basically, the the, the account has to be retitled in the name of the minor. Um, got about two minutes, Mike. And, yep, thank you. And so at that point in time, if there are funds still left, you know that money, um, the the control is given over to the minor. Uh, and so I think that that's you know that's a major consideration when when using this type of account. Um, I, I, you know, how responsible is a is a twenty one year old? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the individual, right? Um, but yeah, that, but good good question still, right? Yeah. yeah, but the so the but the UTMA uh, it is it is flexible from the standpoint that it can be used for anything. Um, it can be used for, in support of the child, basically. In, su- in support of the child, uh, yeah. so so it can be used for college, or it could be used for for anything else, uh, as long as it's being spent, you know, on, on the child's behalf. Okay, so I, I had a client a long time ago buy a pony, uh, the five uh, of the uh, the transfer account. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, yeah, okay, so so that's that's number one. And by the way. We don't have time to get into the tax consequences, but depending on how much money is in there, there might be some taxes involved uh, that, that are not small, but it'd have to be a good-sized chunk. For that, that's right. The dollars would have to yeah. be pretty big to, to yeah. start worrying about any significant tax consequences there. Yep. Okay. Uh, All right. So that's so that's one choice, and it would be a, a choice if you weren't sure whether the kiddo was going to go to college or not, Right. but might, might need the money for a down payment. You know, sometime or uh, to pay off some loans from whatever sure. type of thing. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, so then, I mean, we get into the 529, but I think we only have a minute or so until we take a break. Um, but a 529, basically, it's, you know, that those dollars have to be used for college or, or higher education. They, um, as of several years ago, they did allow you to use it for, you know, like a private, um, private high school. Uh, yeah. But you are limited as to how much you can use. I think it's, I think it's up to $10,000 a year uh, for, for high school. Um, and, or maybe, yeah. And then, but in college, um, you know, those dollars have to be used, but it's all tax deferred growth on the investments that are in there, assuming it gets used for college. Um, so it's not at, not as flexible as the UTMA, but there are more tax uh, tax advantages in using the 529. Um, I think you're about there, huh? Yeah, I think, what's that? Take a break? Time-wise. Yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I think we'll have to cut, cut it a little bit short there and uh, take a break, and then uh, we'll be right back in a couple minutes. 